We are here, uh, Music for the Quarantine Soul, and we have a special episode today. We are just learning in the last couple of days of uh, the death of uh, guitar wizard Eddie Van Halen. And uh, my, my partner Clifton is here. I forgot to mention that. We're all, I always mention that at the start. <laughs> hello, hello. There and, he is. Uh, and, and our guest today, a very special guest, uh, local uh, Dauphin boy, local musician, Gary Precision. And Gary had planned to be with us to do uh, his five uh, regular albums. And uh, when we heard about uh, Eddie's, Eddie's uh, untimely passing, uh, Gary, being a huge uh, Van Halen fan, said, I want to do all, all Van Halen. So we're doing <laughs> yeah. a special episode. Uh, how, yeah, how can you say no? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So welcome, Gary. We're great. Uh, really glad to have you here. Yeah. Hey, good, uh, good to be here. And uh, I'm glad uh, on a sad note uh, that we are here talking about Eddie's passing. But um, like every hero that goes on, we're here to celebrate his music. And that's the way Eddie would like it. So here we are talking about six of the greatest albums <laughs> that were ever <laughs> released by any artist including right. a guitar player so we're we're gonna we're gonna let gary uh break the rules a little bit we're gonna t let him take six albums into quarantine uh yikes and that's that's eh. clifton have we ever had rules before uh no maybe <laughs> yeah yep. have, you ever, have you ever had anyone break the rules before oh yes. yeah we we kind of refer to them as guidelines so okay good yeah yeah, yeah. all right so normally uh gary um we sort of let you uh, pick here. So if you want to do them in order from like chronological order, that's fine. If you want to go in a different order, how about her? Yeah, I figured, uh, you know, we may as well start with the beginning where it all, uh, it all happened. And that was in 78. And uh, one thing I remember for sure, you know, if you can sort of, it's hard to imagine yourself back in that time, that time frame and that era of what was going on musically. I mean, there was no Def Leppard yet. There was a lot right. of bands that hadn't quite come out, but, all of a sudden something changed and uh, I just remember being in the lunchroom in uh, junior high and a buddy had brought in his uh, brought in his car stereo and he goes Gary get in here I had uh, just started getting a grip on guitar and he goes you got to hear this so we're all sitting there uh, in the classroom there and he uh, he let eruption fly and yeah. basically I crapped my pants can I say shit my pants <laughs> yes uh, <you> <laughs> Uh, I shot my pants because when eruption started, like you always hear, that had never been heard before. And my first thought was, ah, shit, somebody's just speeding up the tape. Nobody can play that fast. Right. And there it was. Not only was it a brilliant guitar solo, but it was musical. Uh, and it just changed everything for every guitar player out there. Not just a blues guitar player or a rock player. Every single guitar player got something out of that, that moment. Right. And uh, so that's where it all began. And uh, ironically, you know, it starts off with Running With The Devil, which to this day is still one of my favorite songs. And that's your kind of first impression of Van Halen, this like killer three-part harmony with an yeah. amazing new sound, the brown sound of Eddie's guitar. And ironically, it was a very simple melodic solo in that. So you didn't really think of Eddie as any guitar hero until the next track, which was Eruption, flew right. out and all of a sudden it smacked you in the face. and that's when it all began so still uh, an amazing album mm -hmm. it is i this was on your on your regular list of five there that we had a, a week or two ago and for sure i mean i I'd, I'd heard these songs there's no doubt about it i can't say that i'd ever sat down and listened to the whole album but i was like after i listened to it, i'm like man this is a good album wow this is just imagine that diversity, even back then. I mean, now nobody can touch an album beginning to end with this kind of diversity. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got acoustic on there. You've got, um, a, you've got your pop stuff and you've got your rock. And then you've got atomic punk that just smacks yeah. you in the face. And uh, again, Eddie displaying sounds and tones and tricks that no one had ever done before. No one had ever heard before. And it just sat you with your jaw dropped going, what did he, what, huh, what, how did he just do that? What is that sound? Uh -huh. What's he using? How did he play that? So. How old would Eddie have been in that? At 19, at least in 1978. So I, I'm guessing around the 20 mark. I'd have to do some okay. math here, but yeah. So born in 1955. Yeah. And 
Uh, yeah, so it'd be 2021, something like that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And he just got out of play in the bar scene and uh, they started doing their demos and uh, released the first album. And uh, uh, again, just, you know, you always hear stories of them playing at the Whiskey or the Starwood in uh, in LA and getting their, their themselves known with the house parties and all that. And everybody in the band telling him, Eddie, turn your back to the wall. We don't want the crowd seeing what you're doing with your fingers. Yes. And, uh, I and he would story. do that for a while. Yeah. He didn't want anyone seeing how he was doing the tapping and mm. a lot of the harmonics and all the tricks that he was doing. But so imagine seeing them in the day in a bar, uh, that would just be mind blowing. And, yeah. uh, if you were to uh, ask me that this was 78, I, I, I would never have guessed, uh, I've got some sort of timeline deficiency going on, yep. but, uh, just to go back to what you had said, the Brown sound. So, uh, Eddie, characterized his sound as the brown sound and uh, said that it's basically a tone and it's it's a feeling that comes from the person and so that's that's how he kind of characterized where, where he kind of came up how he came up with it I don't know but exactly yeah and brown sound. It, it came from his hands like like any guitar mm-hmm. player you know and he did tweak his amps. He did use uh, a drop tuning. He was always a half step down. So they sounded a little different than everybody at the time also. But it was in his fingers. And a, a good quote that I remember was Ted Nugent plugging into Eddie's board at one time in his amp with Eddie's guitar. And it sounded absolutely nothing like Eddie Van Halen. And Ted Nugent was just kind of shaking his head going, well, shouldn't I sound like that? And Eddie was just kind of like, hey, it's all on the fingers, man. And uh, that kind of blew Ted away. I always laughed at that quote. Mm-hmm. But uh, that half step down made a big difference for uh, just some of that brownness in his tone. And uh, that's another thing when running with the devil opens up. I mean, right away, you heard something different that a lot of guitar players weren't doing. A lot of guys were playing Marshalls, but not the way Eddie did. And, uh, you know, that being said, you know, Ain't Talking About Love came out uh, uh right in there as well just a simple little you know two guitar progression a to g a to g big deal any guy could learn that right but it's the way eddie played it and it's the intro riff and it's it's just everything about his playing combined with his brother's brilliant drumming and ross creative vocals we'll put it that way and anthony's (laughs) anthony's wicked harmony so eddie you know in a way was also very lucky to have found that lineup and that it lasted for for six albums Right. So I want to come back to the, to the, to the backing vocals there. Cause that was certainly something I listened to the uh, remastered version uh, yep. and it, and it, that definitely hit me. Wow. These backing vocals. I mean, I knew that they were there, but uh, it must've been remastered, I think, or, or remixed to bring those out a little bit. Um, 2015, I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yesterday I got home after school and I threw on YouTube an old uh, concert and it was Wolfgang on bass. And I was surprised that the backing vocals were still as good in that concert. So, because I'd always thought Michael Anthony was the the main guy there. So, how much do you know about that guy? Uh, there's been some speculation that some of that was uh, triggered. Um, I don't know. I I've never seen an interview or seen Wolfgang. Uh, sing on his own so oh, yeah. i'm not sure whether he can or not and i never had the chance to see them live okay. uh, for real but uh very talented family and being the son of eddie van halen i'm sure he can hit those notes yeah. and uh, as long as it's live it sounded great and that was a huge part of what made that sound of that first album really jump out and and just everybody took notice brilliant guitar but uh excellent vocals great writing and that had a lot to do with eddie mm. and uh you know, from there, you know, we, we got to move on to album number two if we only got 40 minutes. Oh, we can we, talk we, longer than 40 minutes. <laughs> we, we can backtrack, but... Yeah, we can talk more than 40 minutes. I mean, one of my favorite songs on that first uh, album, I just, again, I've been spent the last couple of days uh, after I heard the news, I just basically came downstairs, threw on my stereo, which I still have, and all my old LPs, and I spun all the Van Halen LPs, and uh, we won't get into the CD versus LP debate, but... Uh, it was just awesome reliving all that stuff uh, yeah. that I grew up and learned. And because again, I had was basically getting my stuff together as a guitar player. Um, first thing I did after hearing the album in school there, <laughs> I ran out and got the album. And <laughs> I mean, that cover just blows you away. When you see that white striped guitar with the uh, black, the white guitar, the white strat with the uh, humbucker and the black stripes, you're looking at this guy going, he's different. And then when you hear it, it just blows your mind. Yeah. And we, we had this old uh, 
stereo console that a lot of people use for uh, plants nowadays because <laughs> they're just nobody wants them and they just sit yeah. in the basement, right? But that would uh, allow you to throw on an album and hit 78 speed. So here I am aging myself, but it would play the album at exactly um, an octave down at halftime. Um, oh, yeah. So that's how I learned every single note of every single <laughs> six albums. Not like today with Tab and YouTube yeah. and everything. It was mm -hmm. skipping back and starting at the start again. Skipping back, how did he do that? And playing it very slowly and bringing it up to speed. And that's when you really realized how brilliant Eddie was in some of those solos. You know, they sound brilliant. They sound amazing. But uh, for a guitar player, uh, when you actually start playing some of that stuff, you realize like how difficult they are. And it takes a lot of work to get that together. And Eddie just did it effortlessly. That was just him. Mm -hmm. yeah. He did. I noticed when I was watching that concert the day, like, and I remember the videos from when I was a kid watching too, but he seemed to just play that guitar effortlessly. Like he would be smiling for the camera and it was just like his, yep. his fingers were just doing it by memory kind of thing, right? Yeah. And he, he grew up uh, with a piano background and, uh, you know, that ties in with how I think his two hand tapping all sort of came together, just him having more lineage across the, the neck. But uh, also that he was a skilled musician uh, with very powerful fingers and a very brilliant mind. Uh, you know, who would have thought anybody would have come after Hendrix and changed the world like that, right? Yeah. Well, Eddie went a step further. And again, that's in 78. Mm -hmm. 79, they come out and you're like, well, it was pretty short right after Van Halen won. And not quite as powerful an album because they'd been pounding away all these, these songs in the bars for so long. They had a lot of that written for the studio, but Van Halen 2 comes out and um, Clifton, you had mentioned uh, DOA. I just threw that on just before you guys signed on here. And again, <laughs> I hadn't heard Dead or Alive for a little while. So again, uh, just reliving that tonight, I was just like, holy crap, is that ever heavy? Yeah. And uh, it's a great guitar riff for any beginning guitar player, but it is a very cool song. And, yeah, I haven't um, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with uh, deeper tracks of uh, Van Halen, um, and that one I was listening to the album, and that one right away it turned my head, and I'm like, "What yeah. is that? That yeah. sounds really good." And it's like again those car horn harmonies, the three part mm -hmm. harmonies, dead or alive. It's just awesome, right? Yeah. And then you got the absolutely simple Dance the Night Away, and there's no guitar solo in it. It's just brilliant harmonic tapping that changed a lot of people's thinking again. Another colorful way of expressing yourself on the guitar. And it became a big hit for them to this day, still on the radio. Uh, tracks like Somebody Get Me a Doctor are just killer, you know, showing where Eddie got his, his background, which was the blues, admittedly from Eric Clapton and... Uh, Jimmy Page, a lot of those guys, but you can kind of hear it a lot in Somebody Get Me a Doctor where it's just real blues based and really crunchy, really heavy. But that brown sound also is just starting to emerge a little more. It's getting a little more unique and uh, a little warmer. And not, you know, not one of the most exciting albums of the six, but definitely full of uh, great stuff like Light Up the Sky. Uh, there's, there's a lot of killer tracks. And again, you'll all, you know, I'd probably say this for every single album except one. Um, but how many people have had an album beginning to end that just every song is unique and different and kills and it's just, you know, that era may be gone forever. We don't know. Just a sign yeah. of the times, right? Yeah. yeah. I was and, actually yeah. Ha had this album. Uh, my son asked me the day that we heard about Eddie he says, have you got any vinyl, Van Halen vinyl dad? I said, I think I do. So he went digging downstairs and he found it and it was this one, Van Halen too. So we had it on, uh, okay. downstairs. And we were looking at the liner notes and something that I didn't know, I was doing research for this, kind of a neat story. Uh, if you look close, David Lee Roth has a cast on, uh, on the back of it, uh, the back yep. cover. And because in the liner notes, he's doing the classic, like the Ukrainian splits there. And he broke <laughs> yeah. his foot uh, taking that picture. He's got a cast on the next day. <laughs> I remember hearing that story and yeah, when you, you know, the front cover is not any big deal. It's just the yeah. logo. But when you flip it over, that shows Eddie at his finest pose with now the black and yellow striped guitar. But yeah, when you see Roth there, like, it, it's like, I'm surprised he didn't break his hips, <laughs> split yeah. them wide open. Yeah. But I do remember that, that yeah, when he came down after that shot, yeah, snapped, snapped the bones. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so again, Every single one of these albums was produced by Ted Templeman, so we don't need to go into who did what. Like, there's no Mutt Lang here. There's no uh, right. anybody else but Ted Templeman. 
and he saw the vision right from the start and he he was great at helping them you know uh, rewrite some of the stuff uh he was great with letting eddie just take charge with how he wanted his guitar to sound mm -hmm. no doubling which is something that a lot of people don't realize is that eddie was so busy on his guitar and so talented there's no rhythm playing under most of his uh, guitar solos mm -hmm. whereas now it's just pretty much standard you got two rhythm yeah. tracks panned left and right and then there's a solo in the middle mm -hmm. eddie just went ahead live as you could be in the studio and he just soloed over alex and michael and you didn't didn't need a rhythm guitar to enhance it. It was good enough as it was. So good mm -hmm. on Ted Templeman for not insisting, you know, other than a few songs here and there that that Eddie, uh, you know, add a little rhythm guitar in there. Like yep. why? Yeah. There's enough whammy and tapping and harmonics to fill yeah. a full whole song. <laughs> kudos to the drummer and bass player as well. Yeah, they didn't. Oh. Need to and going back to um, um, when you were saying that. Uh, Templeton just kind of seen it right from the start. Uh, you know who else seen it right from the start? Gene, yeah. Mr. Simmons, yeah. Yes, and uh, so he caught uh, them playing at a club and actually I think fronted uh, the financials for them to go in and and cut a demo. Oh, for sure, yeah. He, uh, I just caught a little clip on YouTube today. Uh, him in a little bit of tears, I think the day of or the day after, just his condolences to Eddie's passing. And he teared up. He's a good actor, but I think he genuinely uh, did uh, tear up a little bit there. Eddie was, as he put it, not a great friend, but a very good friend. And uh, it wasn't about Gene Simmons for a change. He talked about Eddie and what a great player he was. And, you know, Eddie wanting to join uh, Kiss at one point when things were getting ugly with the band and Gene's like, no, man, like, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> and, and not in a mean way. It's like, yeah. you've got, you're the Van Halen, you and your brother, yeah, right. and it's your band. You stick it out. Yeah. Uh, but Gene, yeah, luckily, uh, those early demos, um, I've managed to get about 20 songs off of those, uh, the demos. And some of the demos are actually better than some of the album tracks other really? than the production. They are killer. And uh, they're a pleasure to hear because you'll hear different arrangements. You'll hear one song that became another. You'll hear a chorus yep. that ended up on a different song. So there's some gems. After you've heard all these albums forever and ever, it was cool to hear some different lead playing, et cetera, et cetera. So mm -hmm. Gene Simmons, yeah, he uh, basically just, he saw what was going on and he got onto that right away like he does with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we hit the 80s. Uh, yeah. Women and Children First pops out. And very uh, uh, underrated album, killer album cover. Eddie's got the uh, the Destroyer guitar on there, and he ended up cutting an Explorer with a jigsaw because he wanted it to look a little different. And uh, he ruined a beautiful guitar that he always always talks about, and you can see it on the back cover as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, another one again, where not really any big hits on here, but when you hear something like. Uh, you know, and the cradle will rock. Uh, you know, that's Eddie's first uh, little uh, dive into using keyboards on the album, right. and nobody really knew it because he pumped them through a Marshall stack and made them sound very guitar-like. But um, very under uh, underrated album. Uh, and when you hear something like "Take Your Whiskey Home" or "In a Simple Rhyme," there's some beautiful guitar playing in "In a Simple Rhyme." Uh, so that's an album I always suggest to somebody who's not really into the full catalog. Put that on and just see how unique these guys were. Mm -hmm. and uh that one yeah again templeman and uh pretty much the same sound they they lost a little of that energy from uh, album one when they were in the studio i mean they they were just blazing on uh on van halen one that's for sure yeah probably they were on a tight budget and timeline and so they just was were given her and uh, yep this one a little more uh a little more time and maybe not that same energy. yeah and they same, uh, and they'd they had spent all that time, you know, playing the, a lot of these songs for so many years that they were tight already. All they had to right. do was walk in and hit the record button, play it live. And uh, then we come to, they start getting a little angry. They're touring a lot and uh, yeah. Roth is an asshole and he's probably hard <laughs> to be on the bus with. But they partied hard and they woke up hungover and then they played the next night. And then uh, things were starting to get a little sour. And... Uh, and then the album uh, Fair Warning comes out and one of my personal favorites for sure. And it is full of dark angriness and I love it. And a lot of guitar <laughs> players do because you start hearing more of the drop D tuning, which was, uh, 
if a lot of people, if you're not a guitar player, you're basically taking the, the low E string and, and dropping it down a, a full step. And uh, it creates a big fat sound in the key of D. So when you hear something like Unchained, uh, that basically blew my mind. It was just right. like, oh my God, what a killer riff. Mm -hmm. And uh, that album is just chock full of gold. Uh, there's, it's such a dark, mean, angry album, but uh, you've got everything on there beginning to end again. Um, I'm just thinking stuff like Sinner Swing. If, if you haven't checked that one out, uh, Cam, definitely. Yeah, I haven't, uh, uh, didn't have a chance to sort of look at them all. Uh, yeah. Short timeline, but. Throw on Sinner Swing, uh, which was a one-take studio, uh, according to Eddie. They just went in and banged it off, and that's a killer right. song. Hear um, about it later, uh, nice and mellow, poppy. Uh, and one of their, they got a lot of radio play for So This Is Love off that album. And a uh, very simple song, but very melodic, and showed another yeah. side of Eddie. All of these albums, I'm realizing, like the first one when I listened to it in its entire, I was like, oh, that was, that was quick. Like, that was only... 30 some minutes in it. I'm just looking at all the other ones as well. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, right. Real, uh, yeah. real short, but uh, in and out, not messing around. No, no fillers, I guess you could say. Maybe. Exactly. And that, that kind of hurt music in general. And Eddie would probably agree with that. That, you know, back then you needed nine songs to fill an LP, you know, eight, nine, 10, whatever. Yeah. And then when C CDs came out, all of a sudden you had to have 15 songs. Right. Van Halen could pull off a 15. Uh, song cd but not very many bands could and that ruined a lot of bands too so oh. that's you know short and sweet just like the beatles yeah and uh keep your song short and meaningful and cut out no filler all killer mm -hmm. uh so that's a good point too that uh most of their albums were yeah just very very much you know 10 songs yeah uh esquire says this is one of the 75 albums that every man should own fair warning yeah there you go neither didn't know but Sit down and have a listen. It's kind of, you know, you throw on Van Halen 1 and then jump to Van Halen 4, fair warning. And uh, they're, they're just, the energy level is right with, with each. Wow. Uh, so it, it's a good progression. And uh, the production on that also. Uh, Eddie's guitar never sounded better than on that album, I think. Um, he had had his own amp specially tweaked even more. Um, and again, he was just in a dark period, I think, with Valerie Bertinelli at the time. That right. might have been around the divorce time, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. but uh when you hear you know uh there's just so much on there um that uh um you know just shows his pop side his his metal side um so you know just unbelievable variety and uh incredible amount of different styles that Eddie could play the artwork is uh from a canadian artist born in alberta okay uh, yeah did not know that yeah i got the wrong one Tab open here, yeah. Uh, William Kurilek, uh, Ukrainian immigrant community in Alberta. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so a bit of a Canadian tie there. Yeah, and I forget the quote because it's over on the other side there. But uh, yeah, yeah. and the Lord says they they will strike uh, that line about. Uh, uh, I can't. I won't try try and remember it now. But uh, the uh, inner sleeve, very killer. Okay. And again, you know, holding these albums now, you know, it still takes me back to being a kid. And uh, I, I still love my vinyl, so we won't get into all that. But uh, it's just <laughs> Do you great. Still, you, these, are the, these are the records that you've learned uh, to play to? Yep. Uh, some of them I had to rebuy because they yeah. got totally destroyed and you couldn't <laughs> hear a thing, especially Van Halen 1. There was nothing left of eruption after I had uh, <laughs> scratched the needle back and started playing it again at like uh, halftime and trying to learn everything from it. So, uh, but yeah, they're beaten, torn, uh, they're wrinkled, and uh, I'll keep them forever. And then I've also bought the CDs just for the clarity and uh, you know, mm -hmm. just to keep them. Um, so nothing against CDs there at all. Uh, but yeah, I definitely still have my very first Van Halen album, and uh, <laughs> it is worn out. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can get her out here for you guys, but it doesn't matter. We're on a podcast, but uh, yeah. whatever. We can cut you this can, part you, out. Can, <laughs> you can see the back cover there. She's all ripped up. And uh, anyways, but uh, and just in case I forget too, ironically, uh, Monday night, uh, I've I, I been PVRing uh, Two and a Half Men, been rewatching oh, yeah? some of that. And uh, it's the episode where Charlie goes into the studio and he's just busting for a crap and he runs out <laughs> to the can. I don't know if you've ever seen the episode, but it's on Probably. YouTube. And he's like, oh man, who's in there? And door opens, out comes Eddie Van Halen with his yeah. guitar. Yeah. And uh, he, he goes, better, not, better give it a minute. 
<laughs> and uh, he ripped Eddie's or uh, Charlie's like, you, man, you take that guitar with you everywhere you go. And uh, he goes, yeah, you never know where inspiration's going to hit, man. And he uh, <laughs> kills into some killer little riff there. And he goes, that's called uh, two burritos and a root beer float. <laughs> and then he walks away and he's got that classic uh, Eddie Van Halen smirk and smile. Yeah. And I just thought, man, how ironic. The night before he passed uh, that I caught that episode. Oh, yeah. Being such a huge fan. That was really wild. And uh, it just really showed what a genuine... You know, you hear all kinds of stories. Yeah, everybody can be a jerk and an asshole here and there. But, you know, that showed you again the side of Eddie that everybody loved. He was just a real person and no ego about his playing. And, uh, you know, he shared and uh, never held any secrets back as to how he did this, how he did that. You go through any guitar player magazines or guitar worlds and he talks about how he did this, how he did that. And he helped people learn. Oh, yeah. And uh, guys like myself had a chance to, uh, to grasp what he was doing. His uh, his smile that you mentioned is certainly something that I remember too. Any any video or anything you see him, he's always got that grin on his face, like he's just genuinely having fun. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you think of videos uh, coming, you know, songs like Jump and uh, pretty much anything. Yeah, he's just always got that grin, and uh, again, always showing how effortless he could play. Mm. And uh, you know, that was '81 for Fair Warning, and uh, yeah, so. You know, hopping into Diver Down, uh, Eddie's, Eddie's and mine, <laughs> Eddie and I are real good buds. Yeah, we talked about this a lot, no. Uh, his least favorite album, just because it was so short and so full of covers, uh, that's when he was really getting sick of Roth. And uh, yeah. that's, that came out in 82. And uh, some brilliant guitar playing on that. Um, little Guitars, Hang Em High, Secrets. They did an amazing cover of Pretty Woman on that. Mm -hmm. And that yep. got them a lot of attention. That brought Roy Orbison back. So, you know, they always gave to the community also. Um, there was so other covers it, too, right? Oh yeah, five five of the songs are covers, right? Yep, on that album. And that really, it's a short album to begin with. And uh, they had to use some of Eddie's guitar genius on a couple of the covers and he was really pissed off about that too so this is when things were starting to fall away a little bit for them and i think right. eddie was getting a little bored and ironically i just googled uh when eddie uh did the guitar solo for beat it for michael jackson and it actually was in 82 so because this album was so boring and things were kind of getting a little crappy eddie just said yeah i'll go in i'll do it i don't give a crap yeah. david lee roth jumped down his throat and gave him shit. what do you mean you took no money you get no royalties you're on a <laughs> on a guy solo album that's got nothing to do with us like how dare you and that yeah. turned a lot of people on to eddie's tone his style his guitar playing and everybody went if you weren't a Van Halen fan, you went, who was that? What a killer guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. And it introduced him to a lot of people that weren't aware of what he could do. So I thought that was brilliant. Just to add to the, to the feud there from the, uh, um, the part he played with the Michael Jackson song, Beat It. Um, so I'd read the same thing that Roth was upset with Eddie for, for lending a hand and, and uh, putting a solo on that track. And I, I kind of was like, well, how, how do you get to there? You know, like, and, and I just thought the same thing um, that these guys are just having enough of themselves. But yeah. I guess, uh, I, I don't know which track it was now. I'm having a little bit of a brain fart, but so Beat It went to number one that Eddie yeah. played on and Van Halen's song, I can't remember which one it was, got stalled at number two. Oh, yeah. It, it would have been Pretty Woman, I'm sure. I'm not yeah. sure. like, I'm just guessing, but that was a huge hit for them. So. Yeah, it probably was Pretty Woman. That's I never so, never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I Even though it was a cover. If, if Roth thinks that uh, okay, Eddie, you put that song over the top, and now <laughs> we're stalled at two. Yeah, no, I th I think Michael Jackson did a pretty good job on that album and that song all by himself, and Eddie just gave it that little icing, right? So but that was that, killer. That'd be a a tough song to uh, try and top. Yeah. That's for yeah. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's too bad. It's a great album. One of my favorites on there for sure is Hang Em High. It's a great heavy guitar song. And uh, uh, another cool note there too is again, how close knit a family that uh, Alex and, and Eddie were as, and with their father. Uh, the album ends with uh, Happy Trail, but um, they also have a tune on there uh, featuring their, their dad. And uh, yeah, I just dad found Bill. this out tonight. Yeah. yeah that's a great story. 
he was a huge player. Uh, he taught his boys and his boys played with him on stage and he was a swinger. He was a jazz guy. And to hear him playing clarinet on there is just absolutely awesome. And he passed away shortly after. So they were very lucky to catch their dad on an album with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that meant a whole lot to both sons. And, uh, you know, got to give David Lee Ross some credit for allowing it, I guess, too. But it's a very fun, very cool song. And I was just reading, it was actually uh, Ross' idea. I think he liked that sort of... Uh, well, that's true, too, yeah. Part of the feud was that Dave... Dave was kind of that, uh, the showman. He kind of liked those, uh, I don't know. I mean, you think about his solo stuff, you know, like just a gigolo and all that stuff. Like Dave liked that kind of stuff and didn't Eddie want to play more of the heavier stuff. So Yeah, he liked the Broadway thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and the old school. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, a very, very cool album there. And they took actually a year off, if you can believe it. And uh, then just before them falling apart and breaking up, they come out with the album to end with. 1984 Mm -hmm. and uh right from the start um brilliant album cover and very cool intro people were kind of well it's keyboards whatever but this is kind of neat maybe that's how they're going to open up their shows now and uh then jump starts and every guitar player in the world threw their guitars down and were pulling (laughs) their hair out going he's playing what (laughs) keyboards no and Roth was dead against it, and uh, Eddie was a virtuoso, and he did the right thing. He came up with a brilliant song to this day. is probably one of the most well-known songs outside of a guitar or Van Halen fan that most people will know, you know, right. uh, male or female, don't matter. Mm-hmm. Brilliant song, great hit for them, and the video right at the right time with MTV and everything. And I remember Eddie talking that, uh, or Roth maybe, that, you know, they spent maybe 10 grand on the video or something like that. Oh, yeah. uh, they didn't go in for a big, you know, half a million dollar production. They just had a one handheld camera, filmed themselves, having a good time on stage. And again, you can see Eddie just enjoying himself. Just smiling. Smirk yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So killer song. Uh, and luckily they do uh, come up with some heavy stuff on there too. Because uh, yeah. Hot for Teacher Forever will be one of my favorite videos. Yeah. One of my favorite songs. Excellent intro on the drums by Alex. Excellent guitar work for the lead intro. Um, everything sassy attitude from Roth, um, killer drums, killer bass playing, harmonies they had it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you remember that video, the teacher's a pretty good looking lady, uh, <laughs> she rips off her uh, outfit and turns into a bikini. If you've never seen that, video. but uh, yeah, I remember that they, video. That was, uh, yeah, my favorite line is, uh, I don't feel tardy. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why that somebody, makes always makes me laugh <laughs> somebody get me a pencil that yeah, whole bit get there me a pencil. <laughs> that showed all the humor of van halen and eddie and roth and uh you can hear all the clinking bottles in the background and everything yep. and right from the start too sit down waldo ross driving the bus and yep. uh I love that they had the little miniature versions of each one of them uh, in the video. That's classic. Uh, So they had a little Eddie Van Halen on there. And uh, and so great video and fantastic song. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorites and uh, it was a tough one to learn for sure. Big stretches on the, on the guitar strings there. Uh, So tapping, but big, big reaches. Uh, But there's also stuff like uh, drop, drop dead legs. I love that song. It's one of my favorites. Top Jimmy, just this cool little up tempo. Um, House of Pain they used to do early in the day so they brought back a song from the early demos Um, and that's an excellent heavy song again that kind of just goes back to being a basic uh, little pounding pounder rocker very cool yeah no this is uh, I would have been about 16 when this came out 15 16 so this was my sort of uh, intro to Van Halen I probably heard the other songs but I didn't really know them I still, I, I pulled out, I don't have many cassettes left, but this is the one I have left downstairs and uh, pulled it out. Yep. I'm sure it's worn out pretty well too. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, you know, from there, you know, the band split uh, like many bands do and they went on and I really just wanted to focus on the Roth era. Cause that's to me, Van Halen when they, they should have changed the name uh, after that and went into uh, 5150, but I will give kudos to Hagar and the success they had. Uh, Eddie became a brilliant songwriter and focused a little less on guitar solos and a lot more on his piano ability, his writing ability and songs. And it worked him and Sa- Sammy were a great songwriting team. Yeah. So Okay, so here here we are, um, Gary. You've got your uh, 
you're six LPs and uh, you're in quarantine. He's a cheater. Yeah. One extra. One yeah. extra. Well, you're going to be in go. quarantine longer than the One. rest of us, I guess. Yeah. So you've got. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, it's like spinal tap. Uh, one yeah, louder. Exactly. Yeah. One louder. One more album. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah. time yeah. offer. Special so you, tribute you, you offer. Got, yeah. You got a coupon yeah. for this one. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're short albums too, right? So I mean we've let other That's people right. do like double That's albums right. and greatest hits. So yeah. short. Yeah. And and we can't really <laughs> count Diver down. So <laughs> so you know where this is well, you, you know where you, this is leading. So yeah, if I was going to put uh, my well, you five said together, six. So, uh, are you throwing? My, you throwing diver? Okay. Or my, my six? Yeah. And also sir. that uh, maybe no, no. a prelude to your to your listing that one and four were matched up pretty well. So is 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 one and four going to be a one and two in your books, or how do you how do you how do you line these guys up? Well, I don't want to ruin the suspense, so I got to go backwards, <laughs> I guess, eh? So, uh, well, no, we'll you're, you're not necessarily going, uh, like your favorite to least favorite or vice versa. It's in what right. order would you, if you're right. in quarantine you got, and you got nothing you got all to do, the albums in front of you, oh, okay, where do you go? Gotcha. What do you start with? What do you yeah. end with? Well, without a doubt, Van Halen one will always just drop me for uh, running with the devil right off the hop and everything else to it. It's it's vibrant, vibrant, it's exciting. So, uh Van Halen one gets played the most on my turntable uh, or in the car uh, on CD. Uh, so Van Halen one for sure would be my uh, first reach in quarantine. And uh, I love every single song on that album. Uh, from that, I would hit fair warning because uh, I need a little break from all the poppiness of uh, Jamie's crying and a couple of the other ones on Van Halen one. And I would throw on fair warning and I would let Unchained or Mean Street just smack me around for a while and <laughs> uh, just really get me revved up because there's so much good stuff on fair warning. Uh, and I love the sound out of all the albums, my favorite guitar tone from Eddie. Uh, and his best lead playing uh, would be on these first two albums, but I love a lot of his changes that he did for Fair Warning. Um, from there, I would actually uh, go to 1984. Um, oh. Yeah, I would lighten her up a bit. I'd take a little break from the guitar and I would appreciate how simple Jump was and how brilliant David Lee Roth was <laughs> and uh, get to appreciate Eddie's riff on 1984. And I remember him playing it for Valerie, I guess, in an interview. And she just said, that is awesome. What is that? And you have to use that on an album. And he goes, yeah, I don't think the guys are going to like it. Well, it turns <laughs> out it was the best move they did. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much gold on that album too. Um, that would be uh, my number three because it's a little lighter. Uh, so after having the uh, all the pain and angst of Eddie's anger off Fair Warning, uh, we'd go to 1984 and I would lighten things up a little bit. And uh, there are, again, so much variety and so many unique rhythmic ideas. And that's one thing I wanted to touch on, too. Eddie is always like, oh, his leads, eruption, oh, my God, he's tapping. Mm -hmm. He's a phenomenal rhythm player. And if he never did a solo on any one of these albums and all he did was write all these songs with all these great riffs to learn as a guitar player, he'd still be the same guy he is. Uh, phenomenal songwriter, phenomenal riff writer and very creative. So some of his riffs are insane to figure out. So... <laughs> 1984 has got a lot of that with Top Jimmy and Drop Dead Legs and all kinds of stuff, right? So uh, from there, yeah, I'd go over to uh, Women and Children first. And uh, I love that that's got a little bit of everything, a little bit of goofiness with uh, Could This Be Magic, Take Your Whiskey Home. Um, and again, just it's not an album that you overhear. You, you know, you do hear everybody wants some. Um, but you don't hear much of the rest of the album. So they're all sort of like B-tracks, and that's what's cool about it. They're not overplayed. Right. So I appreciate that. Van Halen 2, I could have flipped either of these. It uh, would be depending on the mood. But then I'd go to Van Halen 2. And again, just got a little bit of everything, but it still shows where Eddie was when mm -hmm. he was in his younger years in 79, like we're guessing 21, 22 when he did this album. And you got the beautiful Dance Night Away, but then you've got another little guitar solo that he did on acoustic or gut string. Um, I've heard two conflicting stories, or oh, yeah. maybe you could help me, but Spanish Fly, uh, he does. And it's basically like Eruption with a lot of tapping and some cool riffs. 
but it's another cool one that uh, jumps out and it's a nice one to hear on that album and uh yeah lastly uh, i would still uh not throw it in the river <laughs> i would throw on diver down uh and i would dive with that one because uh, there is a lot of gold on there even though there's some killer covers they're not everybody's favorite thing on there. They were cool songs, but they weren't Van Halen. They should have spent their money and time mm -hmm. featuring more of their own stuff. Um, but I'm glad that they did it. And uh, right. that would be uh, number six for me would be Diver Down for sure. Diver Down was the, it was the record company that was kind of pushing that cover thing, right? Like they're, were they like, let's get another, they're taking them to the bank a little bit, were they not? I think so. Uh, you know, they had success with You Really Got Me. And, uh, I mean, I think they had a cover pretty much on first two albums, uh, and Diver Down and I yeah. guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, so they've always had success, uh, turning a, a, a great classic song around into being their own thing. Right. So I guess, yeah. Um, Pretty Woman, you know, uh, was on Diver Down and, uh, Ted got his way, I guess, or the band and, uh, uh, they did have big success with, success with that one. Excuse me. I love that version. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you could always go back to the Roy version and it's awesome. But uh, Eddie, uh, his guitar on that is just killer and uh, the harmonies, everything. So yeah. they, they made it a powerhouse cover. So those would be my six. And, uh, you know, like we had said, I was previously going to do my, my five in quarantine and Van Halen would have, Van Halen one would have been my, my there, top yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. There'll never be another Van Halen one uh, yeah. with so much on it. So before, uh, before the little break there, um, you talked a little bit about the, the Hagar years. Uh, we're going to give you a little bit of time just because it's a special tribute episode here. So uh, do you call him Van Hagar <laughs> or what do you call the, the second incarnation? To me, it's still, I love, I love Sammy Hager as a solo artist. I love his vocals. There's no denying he was a better singer than David Lee Roth. And uh, I really appreciate what they did. It just, to me, became something else. It was not Van Halen anymore. Um, but they definitely made a lot more money. They brought in a lot more women to their shows. They had a, a wider audience. They were way more successful. Um, but in a way, that's also, well, who cares? They were great at what they did, and they filled arenas, and they yeah. were full of people pounding their, their fists in the air and, and just loving the band for what they yeah. were with Roth. Even though live as a singer, eh, he wasn't the greatest singer. <laughs> we all know that. And I always remember Hagar laughing. You know, you got the brilliance of uh, Van Halen's number one song, Jump. Uh, might as well jump. Jump. Okay, well, that's a cool chorus. And then you got, uh, I just happened to pull out real quick, uh, the first solo album with Hagar. Then you got Hagar's brilliance coming in with like Love Walks In. Yeah. You know, uh, so when you sense a change, nothing feels the same, all your dreams are strange, love comes walking in, some kind of alien. You know, the guy's a brilliant songwriter. Yeah. And then you go back to Raw, somebody get me yeah. a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. But that's what made them so cool. So I, I really, I, I like where they went. I think uh, David Lee Ross solo album uh, without Eddie turned out fine for him. And uh, Eddie Van Halen did not lose much momentum uh, hooking up with Hagar and coming out with a wicked album. And uh, 5150 had Get Up, Summer Nights, uh, and then all the keyboard songs, Why Can't This Be Love, etc. Um, so again, they gained a whole new audience and uh, they were still an amazing band to go see live. Oh, I'm sure. That was one thing I was gonna, you know, uh, we hadn't talked about that. Yeah, so I was fortunate. Yeah, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to see them twice. Uh, and that's kind of sad. I wish I would have seen every tour, but obviously, you know, from Winnipeg, we didn't get a lot of them. Right. Uh, but I did get to see the 1984 tour and that was just absolutely stunning. Uh, they were at their peak. Uh, they were on their way out. Nobody really knew it, but Eddie's playing was amazing. And uh, I was at the U of M at the time. And I had my biggest computer science exam of the year <laughs> the next morning. And I gave that up uh, to go see Van Halen. <laughs> so much to my parents' chagrin, my GPA was like a 0.5. I failed that test <laughs> miserably, but I got to see my hero. And I'll never, I'll never forget seeing Eddie uh, sitting on the side of the stage, like in front of the stage with his legs out in front of the audience, just playing his solos. And uh, it was just, just one of those magical moments I'll never forget. 
incredible show for all, all four members. But just to be able to see Eddie do all that that he does effortlessly, like we've talked yeah. about, with that smile and uh, whether he had a four beer in him or one beer or no beer, it didn't matter. It was what he did. He played great. Yeah. So uh, the other tour I got to see was fortunately with Hagar. So I got oh, to do the comparison. Cool. Yeah. And that was the, uh, oh, I can't think of the tour's name. But uh, Pound Cake was on that. Um, oh, for Unlawful, for unlawful Carnal, Carnal Knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So love, now, love that, that song. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the album? I was just trying to look it up here. Is that the album that uh, was nominated for a Grammy or... That no, I'm not sure. It is. It's one of those ones was uh, nominated for a Grammy there uh, in the Hagar years. Might have been the previous yeah. one. I'd, I'd be guessing the first one because there was just so much gold with like three big ballads. I just, just finished reading a quote while we were on the break there that uh, most people's introduction to the new Van Halen was uh, Why Can't This Be Loved? I mean, that was right. a major, uh, air, major airplay for that song. Yeah. And Eddie played live. Uh, he played keys. He let Sammy do the rhythm guitar and lead guitar on a lot of oh, that yeah. stuff. So that again shows you. Yeah, I'm a guitar hero, but I'm not flaunting it. I love playing yeah. keyboards too. So great um, for Eddie. You know, my my favorites uh, of the Van Hagar years is the uh, right now, especially the video. I always consider that. Oh yeah, Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, just love that video. Yeah. Yeah, they they did really good. They they had a lot of money then for vids too, so mm -hmm. uh, they had some great videos. And um, you know, Eddie once in a while could still have some killer heavy guitar, um, but that's when I started losing a little interest. So that's where I really just focus on Eddie as a player for right. uh, with the Roth era and the first solo album because he did some brilliant guitar uh, on that first solo album with Hager. And then I just really just kind of mm -hmm. mm, it's not the yeah. same. And uh, yeah. I sort of, you know, no disrespect. They were brilliant, but just not for me. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even realize that they'd had that many albums past uh, the that '90s sort of set there. I didn't realize they'd had that many albums in, yeah, in they the really 2000s. And yeah. you're right there. It was the '92 uh, yeah. for unlawful carnal knowledge. I got the Grammy. Yep. Yep. One. Oh, that got oh, okay. it won the Grammy. Yeah. Okay. Well. Cool. And are we so, talk about the other lead singer, Gary? Or are you just gonna just gonna? The, the, uh, uh, what's yeah. his name? Sharoni. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is the one Van Halen CD at the time, and the only one that I listened to. Two tracks. I opened up my window <laughs> in my truck and I threw it out the window. <laughs> and then I can't believe to this day that I actually threw out a Van Halen yeah. album. It just blows <laughs> my mind. But I was so pissed off and so mad and sad. I just felt bad for Eddie and I hated every song um, once I, you know, got it back and tried to listen to it again. But uh, yeah, I threw it out and just couldn't stand him on it. So they, they blew it there. But um, yeah. I listened back uh, not too long ago, actually, and there are two, two or three really good guitar tracks. There's great guitar playing on it, but it's the vocals and the writing. They, they just died. They died a big one. Yeah. And uh you know, Roth coming back in and them doing Tattoo and uh, them trying again, re-releasing some of the uh, the demo songs that they did. That wasn't a bad album. It just yeah. wasn't a great Van Halen album. So I don't include that in my uh, Roth era Van Halen. Okay. That's yeah. another one that I uh, smashed the uh, microphone stand on. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sad. But uh, Tell us about the, the, the tribute band that you're in here. I'd like to hear more about that. Well, uh, when I went down to LA, uh, I finished my year, came back, figured you got to go somewhere. It's going to be Toronto, I guess. So the very first band that I got into in Toronto was with a killer drummer, a bass player from uh, BIT in LA as well, who happened to be a Billy Sheen clone. And uh, we were lucky enough to find a David Lee Roth clone. Oh, yeah. So there was another band out there and that guitar player had the uh, Frankenstein guitar and he had everything down. Um, I didn't get go quite that far as far as a fanatic i just played eddie as best i could note for note yeah. but we were a huge draw in the a circuit in toronto and so this would be 87 i guess uh in you know at the gasworks at uh, rock and roll heaven all the bars in toronto uh doing the a circuit and we played that stuff well and our singer was a really good david lee roth and uh so we had a huge draw 
and uh, we became very well known as uh, two guys from GIT with one of the best drummers in Toronto and this other guy uh, that could sing pretty good. Singer. <laughs> yeah, uh, much, <laughs> so much like a... the real Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> oh, he'll probably catch this podcast, but uh, <laughs> give him credit. Not the greatest singer in the world, but a fantastic entertainer, entertainer exactly like Roth was. Perfect. And uh, I just, for me to be able to get, to be with the, those caliber of players uh, and to be able to play those songs was absolutely amazing for me. Uh, after mm -hmm. all the work I'd put into learning all that stuff, right? Uh, playing three sets a night uh, uh, in the best bars in Toronto in front of a crowd that mm -hmm. loves every single song you're playing, right? which is hard to do, right? Uh, it was great. Uh, so yeah, my first uh, experience uh, playing live after uh, LA was uh, with a tribute called Jump. And uh, we we all did our, did our solos and uh, we had a phenomenal time. And uh, so yeah, missed, those, missed that era for sure. That was awesome. Yeah, I bet. That's what's a real lifetime experience. That's uh, I, I've seen the video on, uh, or I've seen it on Facebook. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I think I will. It sounds uh, Wow. One to check out for sure. That's that's a long one, but if you zoom through and just find, there's a clip where uh, the bass player and I are wireless, and we go running through the bar at the Gasworks, oh, and yeah. we trade off licks. He's got a whammy bar on his bass, and I've got the whammy bar on my my Strat, and uh, we're throwing licks back and forth, running through the crowd. We're loud as hell, and we're shaking beers, and people <laughs> go, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Like nobody mm -hmm. had seen that kind of. I mean, people had gone out in the crowd wireless before, but uh, we definitely were very entertaining. And uh, so, yeah, we made a name for ourselves and it was great to be able to play, like I said, all these fantastic songs mm -hmm. and, and do justice to them. Right. Um, so, yeah, very, very fortunate there. And uh, a lot of time that I'd spent learning all that stuff uh, paid off for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of things that Eddie did uh, that we didn't talk about, even just as far as inventing... Uh, little things for guitars like a locking tremolo and uh, mm -hmm. some of the sound effects he used and how he, how he had his amps customized and stuff like that. So there's been a lot of talk lately of um, how much Eddie did for the guitar community um, as far as just a guitar fanatic and trying to create things that will help every player mm -hmm. out there, you know, with a pedal or make the guitar perform better, um, sound better. So um, you know, when he came out with the Wolfgang, uh, guitar with PV initially, those they're, they're killer guitars. It's amazing. And, uh, you pick one mm -hmm. up and it just feels like home. Uh, oh, yeah. so brilliant guy and people listened to him and appreciated his ideas. And a lot of people made a lot of money off him. That's for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things right away that comes to mind is, and you hear it all the time was just, you know, if Eddie wanted something done, he did it. He tried, you know, he mm -hmm. took stuff apart. He ruined great guitars. And one thing that everybody got off that first album was, well, here's a guy that took a Strat apart and uh, took off the pick guard, screwed in a humbucker because he didn't want to play a Les Paul and uh, took all the wiring other than the one volume knob. And he's like, I don't need a bridge pickup. I got a, or a neck pickup. I got a bridge pickup. That's all I need. Do I need a tone control? No, I'm on 10 all the time. So he turned a Strat into uh, a phenomenal, um, unique new instrument with the locking tremolo. And uh, that changed the, the, the guitar world again for, for, to this day. And uh, you always, you know, every music store you went into after Van Halen one would drive you crazy. Cause all you would hear would be little kids going. Drove music store guys crazy. <laughs> but everybody followed that Charvel Jackson, all these companies all of a sudden started releasing custom strats with humbuckers. Mm -hmm. And that's thanks to Eddie Van Halen, uh, the locking tremolo Floyd Rose licensed it, uh, worked with Eddie on it. And there's some different stories there, but at least Eddie, you know, again, came up with some way of keeping the guitar in tune so that you could go berserk on stage and do dive bombs mm -hmm. and rattle the floor at a big arena. So, you know, kudos to him. Uh, Mm -hmm. so many little things yeah i mean little things that he invented and stuff uh but mainly again uh a master player with amazing hands and a and great tone and a lot of it came from his soul his his heart mm -hmm. and his uh, his own playing right he's he's def definitely one of those guys that when you hear you know if you put on if you hear a b track and you don't hear the vocals you know that's van halen you can just tell you can just yep 
Yeah. Yeah. He, he could play through mm -hmm. anything and it's still Eddie. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can do a tapping solo or a harmonic pinch or something. But uh, again, it was his, his rhythm playing uh, is always so under talked about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's some good yeah. English. Yeah. Uh, the guy was a phenomenal riff writer and I still love going through and trying to pick up some of those uh, songs uh, and not necessarily the solo, which some of them are just beyond me at this point in my life. But uh, mm -hmm. his rhythm playing is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And uh, that also turned a, a generation of guitar players into songwriters. So again, kudos to Eddie for, hey, hey it's not just about a, a blues uh, progression. It's about, you know, mm -hmm. time signature and time changes and, uh, creative intros with uh mm -hmm. you know creative solos etc yeah. and a hook mainly a hook if uh your singer couldn't come up with one the guitar hook was good enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can say that for many of the songs right so very easy for roth to come in and just uh do what he did mm -hmm. over such amazing guitar playing yeah exactly what he did. that's what he did yep <laughs> yeah yeah and to see him live jumping doing the splits yeah, sliding I, around it's no wonder he had YouTube surgery videos. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, yeah, fantastic entertainer. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a very, very, very sad loss. And I was reading posts that night when uh, we were initially going to do our, our mm -hmm. five quarantine albums. And I had to come downstairs, throw on some albums. And, yeah, there was tears flowing here and there. Yeah. And I got on Facebook and I was watching some of my buds' comments and some people from L.A. and Toronto that I still stay in touch with guitar players, musicians in general, and so many people just like, man, mm -hmm. like, I'm so emotional yeah. right now. I can't believe this. <laughs> it, it was like a member of the family passed away. Yep. Nobody saw it coming. You know, you, nobody knows your time on earth, but it's a severe loss because I think Eddie now being sober and just starting to get back, if they could have found the right singer and got things going again, we might've had another Van Halen one with a great oh, yeah. singer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody young and up and coming yeah. with Eddie. Eddie coming back with his son on bass mm -hmm. or Michael Anthony on bass again, who knows, but yeah. something was about to happen. And unfortunately it was his time. So, yeah. Well, he was certainly a legend and it's a great loss to the music community. That's for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So thanks Gary for, uh, uh, doing this with us. I know it wasn't kind of worked out the way we wanted to, but, uh, I know you felt the need to do the tribute and I'm really glad that we could make this work. And, uh, and get you on so quick and it's uh it's great to spend this time talking about Eddie Van Halen. Oh, I'm glad you guys uh, reached out and I'm glad to do it and uh, I hope uh, all your listeners uh especially at this time uh saying farewell to one of their heroes uh have a few laughs at some of our comments and uh <laughs> maybe learn a few things they never knew about Van Halen and uh yeah, I again did. go in and check out these albums because uh it's a fine fine collection of six and mm -hmm. uh onward with Hager as well Absolutely. and uh, yeah. that's your own choice but uh yeah <laughs> let's do a final toast to eddie okay and, uh, cheers him for not yeah. just his guitar playing and brilliance but for phenomenal songs with a phenomenal band Absolutely. and uh let's keep that smile in our uh in our minds and memories cheers. we'll keep all right cheers you guys okay all righty